Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Madison's story. A dying young woman has a last wish. She wants you to vote. Political scientist Chris Adams will join us. The latest polling shows this is going right down to the wire. And our Loren McNabb has been all over this storm and how it's affected us. She'll be on the podcast after just getting back from north of Portage where there's still no power and might not be for another week or 10 days. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now the podcast. Brent Williamson is the station manager and the news director here at Global Winnipeg, and he joins me in studio now. Uh, Boss, uh, good to see you. We haven't seen much of you around here lately, and I knew you were dealing with something, and today I found out uh, your niece, Madison Yetman, don't know her, but what an incredible young woman, is very near to the end of her life. Yep. Uh, Days to weeks. Days to weeks. And it's cancer. Yeah. Just found out. Yeah, we found out um, a week ago last Sunday she was diagnosed. They thought it was leukemia. And then we found out on Friday that it wasn't leukemia. And uh, that was when they told us it was uh, terminal. And this is your wife's, uh, this is your niece, but your wife's sister's daughter. That's right. And your family's really tight. The kids are all tight. You were yeah, saying, we're a pretty yeah. typical Manitoba sure. family, right? Getting together yeah. on Sundays for suppers and that kind of stuff, yeah. Madison turned 18 recently, right? Yep. Uh, well, a while ago, like mm. 10 months ago. But she's 18. Like yeah, she's 18. And we're obviously very close to voting federally. And tell me how this happened. Did she say to you, uh, Uncle Brent, I need some help. I, I want to do this video and we'll give you all the details in a second, but tell me how this came to be. So Madison's always been very politically active, um, right from probably junior high on. She had really strong views and we all know what they are. She shares them quite loudly, um, and uh, but just really believes in the process as well, right? And was really looking forward to voting and was lecturing us all on the pros and cons of uh, the different parties as, yep. as in her in her eyes. Um, and so uh, so Sunday, she was uh, not feeling well in the morning and, and uh, we took her into the hospital, or her mom did. Mm. And um, she, uh, by 7.30 that night, they had told us she had leukemia. And it was about two hours later, she just, we're all standing in the room around and and she said i'm voting that damn election i don't care what happens and i was kind of taken back by that right i mean you got a lot going through your mind right now and she's like i want to vote in that election uh at the time we thought yeah of course well we'll make sure that happens we don't know how but we'll make sure that happens right and so jump ahead five days later and uh we got a diagnosis of days to weeks uh and not not treatable or curable um we started to think she might not get that chance, and that was pretty hard on everybody. Um, we started the process to get some stuff delivered to her through the mail, and it was supposed to come on Tuesday, um, and we didn't know if she was going to survive the weekend. Um, she did. She's still here with us today, thankfully. Um, but while we were waiting for that process, uh, some people came through the hospital on Saturday and, and were taking votes, and she was actually sleeping, and her parents woke her up. 
uh, and said, no, no, they, they, oh, don't wake her up. No, she wants to vote. Yeah, right. right. And so woke her up from a, from a sleep and she was super happy that she voted. And, and uh, you know, from speaking personally, I think that was the best news we had all week was that mm. she got to vote because uh, yeah. we knew how much it meant to her. And then she put something on her Instagram page or sorry, on her Twitter page, just saying, if I'm bedridden and can vote, so can you. Right. And it just started a conversation with her parents and, and her, her sister and, and her about, you know, you got a platform right now. People will yep. listen to what you have to say. And if right. you got something you want to say, let's figure out a way to say it. And, uh, and so she made this video and um, uh, we just hope that people pay attention to it. And, and the, I think the key message in the video is, you know, she's got, um, you can measure her time left on, on this earth or in, in, hour, this order, in, in hours. hours and she took time out to vote and, uh, and you know, I'll be honest, there's been vote, there's been elections where I've been like, oh, I'm too busy. I know the outcome. I'm right. not going to go. Mm-hmm. And here's a kid who, um, I don't know if it took 15 minutes. I wasn't there when she voted, but 10 minutes, 15 minutes, that's real. That's a real chunk of time for her. It isn't for the rest of us, but it is for her. And, uh, and it just it hit us. The first thing I thought of when when I heard what your, what your family was going through and when I heard about Madison is, you know, I, I think if we all faced the end like that, we would have people we needed to see or wanted to see. We would have things we would, that would not be near the top of my list. I'm not even sure that would make my list, right? Um, and we talk all the time about the importance, importance of getting out there and voting. And it doesn't matter who you vote for, but vote. And, you know, people have fought in the past and died for our freedoms, including our, our right to vote. And I just was really, I don't know her, but I have a lot of respect for and love for Madison. And I send her all my thoughts and prayers um, because... She is taking time and trying to make a difference, and boy, there's nobody is expecting her to to do this or have to do this, but it's important to her. Like I said, she was she's been politically active uh, yeah. in a variety of ways, um, probably half her life, um, and uh, so this is sort of Madison staying true right to the very bitter end, which we love to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is. Um, she just perked right up when we kind of come up with this idea, right? She just thought, this is great. I can mm-hmm. I can make a little bit of a mark here, right? Yeah. And and I love that she didn't make it political, um, yeah. that it was just about get out and vote, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so we, to be honest, we rushed this because we um, wanted to make sure that she was alive to see the results. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we released the video this morning, and it seems to be taking off uh, it, it, it quite got, well. I, I'm, I'm trying to keep track of how many views. It's got thousands of views already. Good. I know that I've encouraged all my social media followers and friends to retweet and share and and get it out there because uh, this is really incredible. Just take a minute to talk about Madison, your niece, how you feel about her, felt about her, and 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 now f- how you feel about her after this, because this is really incredible. Yeah. Uh, so Madison uh, is uh, 18 years old. She's an anthropology student at the U of W. Um, smart as a whip. Um, like I've said several times, she's very politically active and has yeah. really strong views. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, she was 
uh, vibrant, a uh, bit of an introvert, kind of stayed to herself. But but like a lot of kids today, she she embraced her differences, um, you know, and and um, uh, found a really great niche of friends that that were very close, and, mm-hmm. um, and she traveled quite a bit in her young life, uh, which was which you know now we realize how fortunate it was that she got to do that. Yeah. Um, she was a, a photographer, an amateur photographer, kind of self-taught, which is near and dear to my heart because I'm I'm saying yeah. we had. Several times we would sit down and talk sure. about how to accomplish this or that. Right. Um, and she's very, very artistic. Um, but, you know, it, it's absolutely incredible to see somebody 18 years old. Um, because usually and, at that age, they're not very politically uh, interested in politics at all. No, and and, and you're right. And, and, and to see her... Today, um, and just for the last four or five days, I mean, I guess it's been 10 since she went into the hospital. Mm. Um, you know, she's gone through a, some range of emotions, but she really, really quickly got to, okay, let's let's get on with it. Let's get some people in here. I got yep. some people I need to see. I have some messages I need to deliver. Wow. And so the family has been really uh, trying to manage her time and, mm-hmm. and get people in. As you can imagine, there's lots of people that want to go in and see her. Sure. Um, which is hard on the parents when she's 18. She wants to be yeah, with her friends. She right. wants to play video games one more mm-hmm. time. She wants. She's a Dungeons and Dragons player, and she wants to play Dungeons and Dragons most likely for the last time. Mm. Um, but that's really important to her, right? And I think it's really important to her friends. And so everybody's been kind of giving her that space. It's yeah. hard on hard on everybody else who wants to spend every last minute with her as well. Mm-hmm. But um, but to see her, uh, you know, you walk in the room, and I'll tell you the. Spent a lot of time at the hospital the last little while in the the waiting room or the area where we kind of gather as family has been pretty pretty tough. Yeah. And uh, I haven't spent a lot of time in the room with Madison because we're trying to give her that space. But the times that I go in, it's the happiest place in the floor because mm. <laughs> yeah. she's just trying to make it that way. Um, and it's, it's pretty incredible uh, how yeah. strong she is. Amazing young woman. And I'll just say the hashtag again is hashtag what's your excuse. Um, I'm going to share with you uh, in a bit all of her handles on social media, but we've got it on the CGOB uh, pages on social media. It's on my social media. Madison Yetman, what's your excuse? That's a hashtag. What's your excuse? Find it, share it, get it out there, retweet it, make sure other people see this. And, and this would just... Again, I, I I said to you off air, boss. I said I don't know, I don't know what to say to you. It's just an incredible thing that this young woman is is trying to do. It's really uh, important stuff. Yeah, I would just say that um, medically, there's nothing we can do for Madison. Right. Obviously, we wish there was, um, but this is something we can do yes. for her, and it, and it's uh, and it's going to help our country too. Because yeah. if more people get out and vote, I think that's better for everybody. So. Um, yeah, we would like everybody to support it as much as they can. And if if you don't tweet it or share it or whatever, at least go vote. Vote. Go That's and the vote. Message. You heard about it here on CGOB. Uh, great story. Please pass along our best wishes to, to Madison and the, and the whole family. I will. Thank you. Yeah. Brent Williamson, he is our station manager, news director uh, here at Global Winnipeg, including CGOB and Global Television. And his niece, Madison Yetman, has terminal cancer, and she wants you to vote. Her hashtag, again, on social media What's your excuse? It's on my Facebook page, Hal Anderson, at Hal Anderson on Twitter, Hal Anderson 34 on Instagram, and get out there and vote, especially as we are now talking about a horse race. 
It's a, a very close race. There's new polling out, and it is basically showing that this is a, a horse race. Tories are down 2 to 32% of decided voters. Basically a statistical tie with the Liberals. They are at 30% now. They're down 5 points to 30, and now 2 behind the Tories. And the NDP is up 5 at 20%. So that's the latest Ipsos polling for Global. That's where we're at. And uh, joining us now to talk about it is Chris Adams. He's a political scientist at St. Paul's College at the University of Manitoba. Good afternoon, Chris. Afternoon, Hal. How are you? How are you? I'm good. Well, what do you make of this latest polling? Things are tightening up. Are we heading? I got so many questions. I'll let you react first of all to the numbers. <laughs> Well, I've been watching the polls all weekend. They, they, they're coming out one or two at a time uh, each day. This one's done by Ipsos for uh, Global and, and the Chorus Network. Uh, it's not surprising. Uh, I think that uh, we just had the French and English language debates last week. Often that's just past the midpoint of a federal election. And that's when, you know, things start kicking into gear for the electorate who are making their decisions and, and uh, pondering things. We did see, um, you know, in this poll, we do see a bump up for uh, Jagmeet Singh and his NDP. And uh, I think, uh, I, I know I was watching to see how Singh would be doing this campaign because for many Canadians, um, people weren't familiar with him, but the debates allowed uh, people to become more aware of who he is and uh, as well as the spin out of the debate. So um, it's an interesting poll. I think Jagmeet Singh has handled himself with such class. I don't know if that's going to convert to votes and seats, but boy, uh, we're certainly seeing a bump for him in the polling, and I think it's all on him, isn't it? Yes. Well, you know, if you think, you know, two months ago, people were talking about, you know, will he survive his leadership? You know, or will, will the caucus try to get a replacement for him? But, you know, he, he was a successful um, member of the uh, provincial parliament in, in Ottawa, in uh, Toronto. Uh, he was well liked by his colleagues. And there was a reason why he was made leader of a, of a national party at a convention. So we haven't really seen him in the um, in the uh, House of Commons until uh, less than a year ago when he was elected in a by-election. So we're now starting to get to know him. So that's good for him. Uh, the other thing that we're seeing in the poll as well is the uh, Bloc Québécois um, surging in Quebec to the detriment, I think, mostly of the Conservatives. And uh, um, so that's interesting, too. So people are talking about, well, is it going to be a minority government and who will the NDP support if it isn't a minority government? But, you know, we have to ask the question, what about the, the Bloc Québécois? Uh, if it's a minority government, will they play a role? Yeah, so many scenarios are possible here. Uh, maybe just react to the fact that the Tories are down a couple, the Liberals are down five, Tories ahead mm-hmm. 32-30 to the Liberals, and as we said already, the NDP surging. So what would you say is a likely scenario based on this Ipsos polling? Well, uh, I, I would say a likely scenario is is a uh, still a liberal minority government, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if it were a conservative minority government. And I, I think Sheer would be interested in having a conversation with the the Bloc Québécois, uh, whereas the Liberals would would not. So. Um, so there are a few scenarios coming out of this. One point is in the Canadian federal 
system of, of uh, how Parliament is, is, is elected is that parties that have regional strongholds tend to do better than parties that are spread um, with their support evenly across the country. And one of the dangers for the federal liberals outside of some parts of uh, Quebec or, or uh, Ontario, but the, the danger for the liberals is that their, their uh, support might not be regionally concentrated like, uh, um, like the conservatives are in, in places such as the, the Western Canada area. So that's one thing. The other scenario, too, is if we're watching the results come in on the 21st in the evening, um, we probably won't know the, the outcome of the election until we see British Columbia report in. And that, that's fascinating, too. I, I haven't looked at the numbers in this Ipsos poll, but I, I would want to see how British Columbia does. They've got over 40 seats to go to the to the uh, parliament, and that, and that can be a huge impact on, on what scenario comes out at the end of the night. Right. We're a week away uh, from Canadians going to the polls. Any advice for the parties and their leaders uh, final week here, Chris? Well, you know, I think that the leaders are best to stay away from conversations about possibility of coalitions. I think um, we, we've seen Jagmeet Singh backing uh, off a bit on that and, and uh, Trudeau sort of batting the, the question around and, and trying to duck it. So I, I think they've got to stay out of that. I, I think they've got to focus on the um, the seat-rich areas of Canada, that is Quebec, uh, Toronto, uh, uh, significantly the 905 Beltway of those seats are in the outside of the suburbs of Toronto, and then, and then they have to worry about Vancouver. Right, exactly. Chris, thanks a lot for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Hal. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Lauren McNabb, you are a piece of work. Red is here, and she's dancing to the music. What is that move? Is that uh, is that like the Minidosa shuffle, yeah, or what like is that? It's like a mom move. You know, <laughs> it's not you, a mom where move. Where you still think you got it, and everyone's like, <laughs> "You're oh, just moving the shoulder." You may have never had it. <laughs> That's what that move is. Oh my god! I would, my wife and I were laughing so hard. She had I don't know what she had on. I, I'm so old and white and uncool <laughs> and all that stuff. And she had something on in the radio, and I was trying to move, and she's like, "Just, just." No, don't try. Just move. Just, you know, and I was trying and I'm not supposed to try. Yeah, like, it's supposed to come naturally. Like the well, shoulder it doesn't. move. Well, it doesn't. Like that's You and I should hit up our social together, Hal. Let's <laughs> <laughs> like, sell tickets to that. Oh, you doing that and I'll be eating the kubasaw. <laughs> okay. It will be a great team. Entertainment. Hey, listen, I have to tell you something, uh, Loren McNabb, co-host of The Start, McLean McGarry McNabb. You have been amazing. I mean, I think we've all done a great job covering the storm, and I really feel for Winnipeggers and Manitobans out there that have dealt with no power and all the stuff that with trees and everything else we've talked about. But you have done a great job. You were part, you and Richard Cloutier did that two hours yesterday morning, which was great. Uh, this morning I got up and you're, I can hear the generator going and you're on some farm north of Portage. You're just getting back into town. And so I'm glad you came in for, for a debrief. So out of all of this, what does Lauren McNabb get out of this? Well, I don't, I'm obviously not an expert on how things get repaired. Yeah. And I've seen pictures out there of hydro workers where they're, you know, in a row on poles, like pole after pole after pole with hydro linesmen on top, you know, fixing things. But when you get out there and you see mile after mile of line down and wires down and poles snapped in and half. And these huge towers toppled over. And then you see those and... metal ones, right? Yeah. The metal ones that are just shredded. And you think, 
oh boy, like I know we've got some a talented workforce out there, but the time and the effort that it's going to take to get that all together, mm-hmm. I think it's why they're giving that seven to 10 day estimate and that's a target. Yeah. And so my, my first thought was, you know, it's funny when I pulled into Portage this morning, it's lit in Portage because they have most of their power back, but then you leave city limits and how often are you really in darkness? Yeah. You know, where it's like, like mm. I cannot see because it's so dark yeah. and there's no yard light and there's no, there's no kitchen window light. There's no candle flicker. Like there's nothing, mm. but I couldn't see the damage. And then when the first light came up and I turned the corner and, and went to take a look after I left the first farmer's house, I just I kept stopping and pulling over and pulling over again to take pictures. And then it just became too much. It was yeah. hundreds, thousands. Hmm. It, so my biggest takeaway is that if, if people think they've already packed their patience over the last five days, they better dig deep in their reserves to power through the next, no pun intended, yeah. week or so, because it is going to be something. Yeah, like, for example, uh, I'm going to play back some of your conversation with Jason Finney from this morning. He farms north of Portage, right? Mm-hmm. North of Portage. Nine miles north of Portage. North of Portage. And uh, farmers do have this uh, incredible ability just to go, oh, well, this is sort of the new reality for whatever period of time it is. And he was kind of downplaying it. And you were going, yeah, but, like, you've got no power. Mm-hmm. And you're out here with a flashlight this morning when the generator ran out of gas. And, you know, so... I got a big tip of the hat to farmers out there because oh. they've been dealing, you know, it's bad enough for some of us to go, oh, we got no power or power's bumped or a tree came down. But, I mean, farmers are dealing with all that Double. and more. It, uh, you've interviewed farmers before, so you hear that often, right? That yeah. they, they want to explain what's going on. They're obviously really stressed all the time. There's mm-hmm. lots of concerns about their bottom line. Yeah. But it's been... You know, there's there's more bad years than good years, yep. I think, for a mm-hmm. lot of them. And so you come with this resilience. And then, of course, my parents farmed, and I grew up on a farm. And so I'm pretty used to the mm-hmm. idea that you just got to suck it up, buttercup, yep. and get right. on with things, right? But he, you know, in, at the end of the day, it's still, imagine the stress of you wake up in the morning, you you have no power. You kind of wonder, oh, all the power will probably come back on within the next few hours. Always does, right? Mm. Then he steps outside and the scene he describes around him, right? Trees down and leaves down and things blown over. And he turns the corner just to go take a look. And he sees those row after row of hydro poles and the twisted metal. And he knows right away, oh my, we are in trouble. So he put the call out to a friend. Do you have a, a generator? That friend brings one. But once again, that only gives you a little bit of power. It helps mm-hmm. keep your sump pump going or yeah. your basement maybe from flooding or allows you to keep your fridge going. But you can only have so many appliances yeah. attached to it. So life right. isn't normal. And then he's got to deal with the fact that he's got 1,500 acres of crops still on the field right. under all that snow. Mm-hmm. So after we finished the interview, I said, Jason, seriously, like this is, this is, you're really not stressed? He's like, oh, no, I'm stressed. Yeah, but he's <laughs> handling it, right? He's just dealing with like, it. Like you might not see a paycheck for yeah. months, if not years, you know, insurance mm-hmm. and all the rest. That's how that goes. Yeah. But the, the double whammy out there for producers is a big one. And then I think I, I can't stop thinking about how ill-prepared I am. Mm. That's a good point. I think, listen, I think there are going to be a whole bunch of stories that we're going to tell over the next how many days and weeks. Uh, Because you're right, we need to be better prepared for stuff like this. We always, you know, our power went out Thursday night, I think about 7 p.m. till 3 in the morning. I know we've got, we call my husband Captain Safety because he's always prepared. Yeah. I can't find, he's got out working, I can't find the flashlights, I can't find the candles, I can't find the matches, you know, so you're using your cell phones, and then you realize 10 minutes later your cell phone that you're using as a light is going to, is dying, Right now what do you do, okay, yeah, maybe you can go plug it in in the car, Mm -hmm. then you start to think about feeding your kids, 
huh, wait a minute, how am I doing that? Should I, where the barbecue's buried in the snow? Yeah. You know, meat is frozen. It's not just going to be tossed on a barbecue. All the little things you don't yeah. think about. Plus, it hit us early. We, you know, we weren't even thinking. Have, who had boots ready or right. your ice or snow tires yeah. on? Or, you know, like, mm. like I just that day, thanks to my father-in-law who was visiting, moved the table off the deck. You know, otherwise it would have collapsed under yeah. the snow. The glass, mm-hmm. you know, all those little things that you yeah. don't think about. But I think there's two big things people are going to be thinking about and should think about is what is in my house? for this scenario so that I could survive even just 24 hours until light comes or until mm-hmm. someone comes and tells you what the situation is. Yep. And then secondly, communication. Yeah. Like, how are you reaching out to somebody and making sure they're okay if you can't right. get to them? Mm-hmm. And none of us have landlines anymore. And even those struggled yep. in the storm. Cell phones don't work in so many places in this province. Then your cell phone dies and that's yeah. it. Or a cell tower comes down or, yeah, we, we've got to start. We we And I think in Winnipeg and in Manitoba, we think of ourselves as, you know, a tougher bunch. We can handle it. We've been through a lot. But, you know, there reaches a point for everybody, even Winnipegers and Manitobans, where we have to be better prepared or we have to ask for help, right? Yeah. And, and are you going to? And then who are you going to ask? Right. Another part of the communication thing would be, okay, well, where, you know, what did they used to call it like years ago? Uh, parents would have them, like, kind of like that tree where you would phone someone and they would phone somebody yeah. else and it was passing the message down, right. right? So everybody would learn about what was happening in your mm-hmm. neighborhood or how are things going. Yeah. Do you even know your neighbor to check on them and to know their name and to, how Great to get point. in? Great point, yeah. Does somebody on your street have that extra key mm-hmm. to knock on the door and make sure yeah. all is well? Garage doors. Do you know how many people I saw in my neighborhood when the power went out? They used yep. the garage door to get in and out. Might not even have their house key on them. Yep. Well, now you can't get in your own house. Right. So all those little things. Yeah. Like, I think we really have taken, personally, mm-hmm. we've taken it for granted. And I'm hearing others feel that way, too. A lot of those guys in Portage and men and women might be where they live or yep. their hardiness. How? They're ready. A lot of them were right. ready. Or at least mm. had the ideas of how to react I think a lot of us would just throw up our hands and be like, is there, please get me into a hotel as soon as possible. Well, and another one too that I think we're going to be talking more about is I've thought for a long time, I I should have a generator Mm -hmm. and now I'm just going to do it. I'm I'm going to, and you can set it up so that when the power does go out, your generator kicks in, you're not out trying to fill it up and get it started. It just goes. And then when the power comes back on, it shuts it off. There's lots of this kind of stuff. I think we're going to be talking about two things I want to ask you about before I run out of time. Trees. Let's talk trees. I fought the city of Winnipeg tooth and nail over a tree in my backyard that was over 100 years old. I spent lots of money trying to save the tree. It got Dutch elm disease. I fought. I spent. In the end, I lost the battle. That tree mattered so much to me and Jackie. Like, we just, we loved that tree. And we were heartbroken. We cried when the tree got cut Mm -hmm. down. All these trees, trees. 30,000 trees, right? I, d- I drove down Kingston Road yesterday. Incredible. I couldn't, every yard I think was impacted, right? And and we love our trees in this city, especially in the older neighborhoods, right? Like Norwood Flats and River Heights and some of those areas. Let's talk about the trees. I don't know if this city ever will recover. Sure, you get rid of the trees that have come down and the branches and stuff. But you know what I mean? Like, we love our trees. And who's paying to replace them? Who's paying? The mayor uh, told Jeff Courier today, if it's on your land, don't pull it off onto city land because we can't get to it. you got to deal with it yourself. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, just the idea of we will have 
a lot fewer trees out there. Yeah, we love our trees. Your trip through a park or down a boulevard right. that used to be lined, I think, is going to be very different. And I know how you feel. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I've told this before, but we had a tree on the farm that I used to pass on the lane. And my sister and I called her Mary. And she was like this friend yeah. that you would pass on the way to school. And when she died, uh, you know, just I don't know if it's old age. I don't know if that happens to trees, but eventually yeah. started dying. Right. It was a loss. And yeah. so I think a lot of people are going to be feeling that loss. But another thing about the trees, if, if I wonder how many of us take care of the ones that are, are on our property. Mm-hmm. You know, you see, you can drive down streets right now and see how the trees are encroaching on all sorts of hydro lines and all yeah, the rest. Right. So is that on you or me yeah. to, to get that tree in shape so that, a, that it ha- so that it continues to be beautiful but mm-hmm. also doesn't do this again, right? Like was yeah. there anything preventative that we could have done yeah. with some of these trees so they wouldn't be falling over mm-hmm. or they wouldn't be taking down hydro lines? It's yeah. a, I think people are going to look at their neighborhoods very differently come next spring. I agree. And the other thing I got to talk to you about is this. I thought of you... Yesterday, when you were on the air with Richard Cloutier in the morning, 7 to 9 yesterday morning, doing a great job telling Winnipeggers and Manitobans what the hell's going on, the very latest. This is my 30th year in Winnipeg, on Winnipeg Radio. And when I was on, I say this all the time, I was on other radio stations, CJOB was always my favorite radio station, and I always thought, maybe one day I'll get a chance to be a part of that incredible station that means so much to this community. And... I was able to become a part of the team. What was it like for you? You've been all around the world. You've covered wars. You've covered big stories everywhere. You, you've been on global television locally for a long time, and nothing against global television, but CJOB is a part of the community like no other media member, I think. What, what I, was it like being telling the story to Winnipeggers and Manitobans on such a, a historic radio station that everybody, I had people texting me, I didn't know you were back on CJOB, like people listening right. again to CJOB for the first time in a long time because they knew this was the place to go. Well, I think, and it's why I came in yesterday, let alone taking the job or coming over here or moving over to radio. Right. It's such a privilege it is. to have this mic in front of you. And we're not joking when we say that. I know many of us here say that and think it and believe it. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, on a day like yesterday, if you were waking up and you didn't have power, but you might have been able to get in your car and go for a trip or you have one of those little battery-powered radios, if you were looking for answers to how long the power is going to be out, who's going to come clean up, who's paying for this, how's it working, where are the hydro workers going, who's helping them, mm-hmm. what can I do to help, all yeah. these questions that I just you just have as a Winnipegger or a Manitoban, they can be answered through here. Yeah. And then the other crazy thing I think about our audience that I didn't realize until I came here is how a voice can be a friend to you. And so we have listeners that I honestly, if when I meet some of them and I'll be like, oh, well, I'm Tim or Trevor or Dave or uh, Diana, you know, you're like, oh, Diana, our favorite, like all these texts all the time. It would be like meeting somebody who was sitting in your living room on a regular basis. And I know that that's how so many of our listeners think about our station, that it's part of their day to day. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I feel the same way. (laughs) Right. And, and when a community deals with adversity like this, I I can't tell you. A lot of the people that listen to us are alone. Sure. Many are older. Looking for help. Looking for inspiration. We are that friendly voice in a time of need. I'll tell you this. The guy who got in touch with yesterday, Kirk, who uh, runs the Honda Polaris dealership in Portage, Mm -hmm. his text, he's got no power. 
using a generator, running a business around the clock, trying to help out Hydro and all these other crews, texts me back and says, well, what do you need from me? And I said, well, would it be too crazy if I yeah. showed up at your house at 5.30 in the morning right. and we could do an interview there, I could see what the lay of the land is, mm-hmm. and maybe I can use your Wi-Fi. And he goes, uh, remember, I don't have any power. <laughs> and then I was like, <laughs> right. He goes, but hang on, I'll, I'll figure something out. So I show up there today. He's got the shed open, generator powered up, Wi-Fi ready to go. His, his uh, farmer friend up the field, Jason's brought me Tim's. He's gone into town to get me Tim's because... They knew how important it was, not for me to do my job, yeah. but to get the message to out get there. get the message right. out, what we're going yeah. through, how hard it's been, the challenges that we're facing, right. and, and, and even their thanks, right? They had so many thanks for all the people who are doing hard work, yeah. and they really aren't, they, I'm sure they're frustrated every single hour of the day over the last five days. I'm sure yeah. they are. They're going crazy. Mm-hmm. But they're thankful that they have the ability yeah. to be where they are. They're okay. Everybody's doing okay, and they'll get through this. Lorraine, McJ- uh, Lorraine McNabb, great job. I don't normally high-five, but high-five me. I'm going to, yeah. You're going to pound, pound high-five. See, shake, see shake I'm, I am so. No, t- turn just, it up. Yeah, there you go. We're shaking our. We, we're just shaking the one our, shoulder, we're shake, Just the one? Kind of got to do it like a rotation. Looks like I'm having a seizure. I can't, Looks good. I think, this, I think oh Jackie's boy, wrong. Oh, boy, I could use a seizure, Jackie, he's actually. he's looking good. Did Those I say Caesar or seizure? Radio. Okay. Yes. <laughs> right. What are you thinking? Deep shoulder action. Deep shoulder. Get into it more, Hal. Go to commercial. Go to commercial. <laughs> Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.